It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Free agency never stops. We recap all the latest signings and all the rumors out there. And Carmelo Anthony on the move. Houston, Miami, somewhere else. Who knows? And two-way contracts are in play now that we're underway in Summer League. Maybe some standouts there, but more importantly, how does these type of contracts affect the league? It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. On Wednesdays, I'm one of your hosts, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, credential member of the media and all-around Pelicans insider. And I'm John Corrales, co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find my stuff on RedsArmy.com, Boston.com, especially this week from Summer League. And you can find me on Twitter, RedsArmy underscore John. So we got a lot of news that kind of went on over the weekend and Monday and Tuesday here in the NBA. First things first, John, though, let's talk about the business side of things a little bit. Michelle Roberts unanimously elected to serve another four-year term as the executive director of the Basketball Players Association. Uh, good move? I, I think for from a union perspective, that, that's a very good move. I mean, she's gotten a lot of guys paid a lot of money. I know there is a whole issue with caps moving this uh, in the past couple of days where she kind of stood her ground. And a lot of people good look for at her on that. I agree. Look, and I will admit, I'm going to tell everybody right now up front. I'm a union guy. I am a union. I, I represent a union in my full time life. And so I am a union guy. So take this for what it's worth. I believe that she made a, a, a good decision to from a union perspective to get her members the the best amount of of money possible and from a union perspective the goal is not to protect the owners from themselves it's not the i I hear people criticizing her it's not to look at the overall game and wonder what's best necessarily i think from a competitive balance issue it's her goal is to make sure players are valued properly that's a big thing players valued properly and that players have the opportunity to move freely and get the contracts that they desire. That's it. She's not there to protect any owners from themselves, nothing else. And and she's basically done her job, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good move for them. The unanimous thing, I think, speaks wonders and says kind of how they feel about it, though. I don't think it would have been any other way. And like you said, her job is to get these guys paid. Who cares about the competitive health of the league or anything like that? That's not her priority. That's the NBA's. It's the owners. It's their situation. And as long as the players are making money, she's doing a good job. And also remember where they were four or five years ago with Billy Hunter there and what he was going on, relatives in positions, and just kind of the way he ran things. I think it's a good – yeah 
horrible. Like you needed strong leadership. She came in and did that. I kind of, as much as I would have liked cap smoothing, like that she kind of backed up her position with this. So I, I want, I just want to say one last thing. I'll be quick that her, you need strong sides on either side. So when you get that compromise, the compromise is good. That's, that's why her job isn't to think about the things that we said. The ownership job is to think about those things. And then when they sit across the table at collective bargaining, when they compromise, they find a happy medium. If the owners can't protect themselves from themselves, that's their fault. If they can't stop spending money, that's their fault. Yeah, it's kind of as simple as that. So that's the off-court news that we've had, and that is a big one. On-court news, there's a bunch of signings. Free agency, as I said, just doesn't stop. First one up, Brooke Lopez to the Bucks on a one-year $3.4 million deal. Is he going to help space the court for Giannis? Yeah, they're adding shooting. They added Ilyasova. Did they add somebody else? They, they've they've added some shooting around uh, Giannis, and it's going to make them a really interesting team. I, I, in the East is, I don't want to say wide open. LeBron's gone, but, I mean, I'm speaking from a Boston perspective. Boston is obviously, I think, the prohibited favorite to come out of the East. Toronto is no joke. Uh, Minis- uh, I'm sorry, uh, Milwaukee is going to be in that mix. And the more shooting you put around Giannis and Tsukumpo, the better they're going to be. All you got to realize is it takes a half inch. That's it. A half inch between a guy sliding over and stopping a drive and a guy being too late to stop the drive and fouling or Giannis getting by him and having shooters on that perimeter just drags those defenders another half inch to an inch away. That's the difference between scoring and getting stopped. Yeah, I think that's kind of, as you said, again, spacing's so important now. I think everyone at this point kind of understands it, that even if they're not great three-point shooters and even if they're bigs and you want to play them below, having more guys who can shoot around your superstars and just making it easy for them to get to the rim, only going to be a good thing. The other big news that kind of came out was the Kings throwing a whole lot of money at Zach Levine and then the Bulls matching. We talked about this last week in the context of Devin Booker, where you just kind of have to give these young players, these restricted free agents, max money and deal with it because you almost don't want to let them go for nothing. But I think this one with Zach Levine being matched by the Bulls, even though they have cap space and they still have cap space, was this the best move for them? Uh, I'm not a fan of the Bulls matching. Uh, I don't think when that kind of money is thrown out for a guy with those kind of flaws, like, I'll put it to you this way. If the Bulls really thought that much of Zach Levine, they would have locked him up before he got to restricted free agency. And I know I know that there were reports that he was offered close to that and he went out and signed the offer sheet. I, I'm not buying that. If he wanted that money and he went out and he, he saw that Sacramento was offering that money and he said, well, Chicago's offering that money. I kind of want to stay. He would have just gone back to the Bulls and they would have gotten that deal done. They didn't, and so that tells me that the Bulls weren't offering exactly that, and it tells me that he was not entirely thrilled with sticking with the Bulls, at least at whatever money they were offering. So matching a contract that they weren't originally ready to uh, offer, I think tells me that this may be a little bit much, and, and when this happens, the teams that match tend to get uh, into a little bit of trouble. Oh, I, I can tell you that firsthand because the Pelicans had that happen with Eric Gordon, the then Hornets, where they matched, even though his heart was in 
Phoenix, and it ended up kind of clogging up the cap sheet. And that's another kind of off-injured player right there that really hurt them in their kind of flexibility for a little while, particularly when he's being paid $15, or $15 million a year. It kind of limited things that they were able to do. You know, it's kind of a similar boat to that. This is a guy in Zach Levine who's shown a ton of talent and just a season ago averaged almost 19 points per game with Minnesota before it was cut short due to injury. But there are flaws in his game. He's not a great three-point shooter. He doesn't really try or have the tools on the defensive side of the ball. And that kind of hurts you when all of a sudden you're paying a guy $20 million a season. Yeah, when you think about the things that you just said, the NBA, one of the prized players that they're looking for are the three and D type of players. He's got no three and he's got no D and now he can be a dynamic scorer and he's very excited, uh, a very exciting type of player. But for that kind of money, I'm not sure I'm, you look at the Spurs and their discipline when it comes to their restricted free agents. And it just goes to show if there's a price that you, you have to set a limit and you have to, Stick to that and have that discipline. Now the Bulls are in a little bit of a different position. They they yeah, might not quite the same. The Spurs and right. the Bulls here. But but they look. The question is, what's your motivation? Is your motivation to put a, a player on the floor that could be exciting, that could be good? Is your motivation to pay him and hope that he develops, or is your motivation to say we've we are this is our limit. We're not going to jeopardize our cap space, and I'm sorry that. That means that the Jimmy Butler trade didn't pan out necessarily, but you let that negative media wave kind of roll on by and you say, we've got our cap space. We're in Chicago. Chicago's a legacy city. We can work with other free agents to get them here and build our team a little bit differently. Yeah, I I think that actually sums it up really well. And just restricted free agency is weird, and you want to try and lock those guys up earlier for cheaper, and sometimes you just can't, and they want to test the market, and sometimes it can definitely cost you. And also, you know, maybe this is something that I think plays into a, a big part with NBA front offices. As you said, This was he was part of the Jimmy Butler trade. Sunk cost fallacy here is they don't want to feel like they let some of those pieces go when they traded a good player away, and that's one of the reasons why you kind of match this and maybe it hurts you long term. So the Kings didn't get Zach Levine. Supposedly, and you're the guy to ask about this, they're maybe prepping an offer for Marcus Smart. Any truth to that? Anything you've heard? What I've heard is the Kings are interested in offering Marcus Smart a contract. What the Kings are doing, they're debating the value of that contract. And we know restricted free agents have to get overpaid to get lured away from their teams. There's not a single restricted free agent. Well, I shouldn't say not a single, but almost not a single, very few restricted free agents. Uh, only those in unique situations are giving given market value offers and are lured away from their teams. Usually a team like Boston that has signaled they're willing to match a fair amount for Marcus Smart teams basically shy away. And if they say, well, we do want to get Marcus Smart, well, the natural, I think, in this market, you can get Marcus Smart for a sort of Dante Exum contract, three years, 30-something million. But the Celtics are perfectly happy to pay him that. So if you want him to leave Boston, you got to pay him 15, 16 million, somewhere in that range. And he's not that, he's not worth that in this market. And I think there's a little bit of internal debate just from my, not, 
sourced reporting, but from what I've kind of heard in conversation, that I think there's a little bit of an internal debate going on in Sacramento of what they want to give, how much would actually get them Marcus Smart, are they willing to, to to commit to him, whatever it takes to to get him to leave uh, the Boston Celtics? Yeah, it's kind of it's almost like a bluffing game or something like that a little bit, where you know if you offer too little, they're just going to match and good luck and goodbye, and then maybe you have to, as you said, overpay to try and bring them away from those teams. So that's I think that's kind of maybe one of the bigger players left in free agency at this point. What's going to happen there? So the last one I want to talk about is Luke Baamute signing a one-year deal with the Clippers around, I forget exactly what it was, 4.3, something like that. Might be the full non-tax mid-level of 5.3. But now they've lost Ariza. Now they've lost Luke Baamute. Just on that alone, let's not mention the other rumors because we'll talk about that in the next bit here. Are they just, is that a bigger blow to their title hopes than, say, the Warriors adding DeMarcus Cousins? Absolutely. I think yeah. I think the, the Rockets are really hurting this offseason which is a little weird because they they were in a position we've talked about this on the show jake that they were in a spot where they should have just said we're paying and that's it but look they've they've got new ownership right and and i'm not 100 sure that that new ownership is fully invested in paying that level of money and and maybe again just a guess new ownership comes in and says Whoa, we're, we're, you want us to spend how much? Look, can we? Is there another way? Is there another path? And so, uh, who knows if 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 that's the case? I know that there are reports that the owner says that's not necessarily the case, but he can say one thing and be doing another. It feels like the Rockets are operating in a let's not overpay type of scenario. They they should have brought the Ariza and Bamute back. They should have at least Ariza. And I'm struggling to figure out why they haven't. Yeah, other than the luxury tax. And Tillman Fertitta, the new owner, came out and mentioned some things. He had those comments, and I'm not going to read them here, but you could almost read those comments either way, saying, yeah, the luxury tax is a concern and it's kind of impacting us, or him just being like, no, we haven't even talked about it. Like, it's not a big deal. Most people, I think, are interpreting it to say that it's not uh, impacting their decision. But I don't know. I kind of read it another way, too, and I can't really tell. But obviously, that seems to be a concern. I get maybe not paying Ariza $15 million, but not spending your non-tax mid-level on Luke Baamute and keeping that defensive stopper wing who can also hit threes when, as we just talked about, three and D wings are kind of a big deal right now. If you can get one for $5.3 million, you sure as hell kind of do that. So it's kind of intriguing on what they're doing, but maybe they have another plan in mind, which is probably just worse. And we're going to talk about this because it's almost kind of funny to me. But before we do that, make sure you guys listen to all the Locked On NBA podcasts. Are you curious about a signing? Do you want to know the latest rumors about your favorite team? Well, there's a Locked On NBA for that specific team. You can certainly search by any of them. John hosts Locked On Celtics. I host Locked On Pelicans. So just search for Locked On your favorite team to make sure you get up to the date. Again, it's your team every day is the motto of the network. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, John. So we just talked about the the Rockets and losing wings. Sounds like there's another wing they might want to add once he gets bought out from Oklahoma City. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony, right? Um, I had an interesting conversation with an NBA, uh, a member of an NBA front office that is a, a Carmelo Anthony believer. And I know that the rest of us are, are kind of mostly unanimous. I think can somebody be mostly unanimous? Uh, probably not. <laughs> the majority of us, I would say. The consensus? Is that the phrase As we're the looking consensus, for? consensus, thank you. Uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the words, they come out, and I'm not sure exactly what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, the the person I spoke to was a Carmelo Anthony believer. Says that he still has plenty left and that Oklahoma City just wasn't using him right. And it, the question now is, can – Will it be Houston? Will it be Miami? Those are the two teams we've heard that he's talking to. Will it be somebody else, the Lakers? But the suggestion I got was that Houston could use him and and play him at the five. And Wait, what? Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting, maybe not defensively, but offensively, he could be a guy that you put out there in an ultra small ball lineup and have him space the floor. It's just kind of a curious suggestion to me. Look, Houston was an ISO heavy team last year. Carmelo is an ISO guy. If they're going full ISO, yeah. which would be hilarious if a Daryl Morey team just suddenly got three hyper ISO guys. But maybe he's just saying, look, this is my chance. And it, who knows? But the, the suggestion to me was that, yeah, they could bring Carmelo in and play him in an ultra small ball lineup and it would it, it could work that's intri- intriguing i won't lie you know i hadn't that's one thing i hadn't even considered and i was about to ask you and say so what did this mysterious front office person say <laughs> is the best way to use him if oklahoma city wasn't using him properly and also probably this depends on is he going to accept a bench role which he was very clearly unwilling to do in Oklahoma City and that kind of mindset on things too I think so there's a lot of kind of variables with this with it all which I think is really interesting but man him at the five in a hyper small ball lineup and like the phrase going full ISO here is interesting and also the the quote basically from a while back of D'Antoni saying he quit the Knicks more or less because of Melo there too just makes this reunion even weirder to me, but I think, are they worried maybe more about just keeping up with the scoring of the Warriors then and trying to kind of match them a little bit versus maybe zagging some and just maybe having a more well-rounded team, do you think? Uh, You know, look, what what happened when the the Celtics, sorry, the Rockets, it happened to the Celtics too against the Cavs, but when the Rockets couldn't beat the Warriors, it wasn't because they didn't stop the Warriors. It's because they went on a historic cold streak. So there might be a reaction to that. There might be a reaction to if if Chris Paul is not healthy, and that is probably a concern, if Chris Paul isn't healthy enough to 
be reliable in a a key playoff moment. You need scoring. This is a guy, especially now, he's going to get bought out. If he's bought out, he's getting paid by Oklahoma City. So the Rockets aren't paying him 20-whatever million. They're paying him probably that minimum uh, deal. Could be very easily a veteran. And, and that for that, of course, of course, what's the worst case scenario? There's there's no downside to that. If it doesn't work, but you can just cut them at any time and you just say, all right, doesn't didn't work. And you, you figure something else out. But for, from a an offensive perspective, you have a guy that, you know, can isolate and can score. And that's where he's most comfortable. That means that he's gonna. The Rockets are gonna have to watch a guy take uh, another guy take twenty jab steps. But that's that, <laughs> that was good. That was just goes. like kind of sly in there. The yeah. shot against Harden, I liked it. That was pretty good, actually. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's intriguing. And so the rumor right now is they're either gonna buy him out, and then he hits waivers, and no one's gonna claim him and pay that full salary. Not one team is gonna do that. And then he becomes a free agent, and you can kind of pay him whatever you want, and he just kind of can agree to it. And right now, it sounds like maybe the Thunder would like to trade him initially, and then whoever they trade him to buys him out. So they use him kind of as an expiring contract and bring back longer-term salary to the trade. Then he gets bought out by that new team, and then he signs with either the Heat or the Rockets. And I think all of us are basically saying Rockets. And you made the very good point of there's almost no downside to him if it just doesn't work and it falls right on their face. So I think that's intriguing. As an Eastern Conference guy, what do you think about his potential fit with the Heat? Um. The Heat are a, a weird team. I I don't like it. I don't like it for them at all. The Heat need to move the ball. The Heat need to, with, with all of those guys that they've got, they need that ball to move around, be active, be a up and down, fast paced team. And that's just not Melo's style. Uh, I don't think that works. As in, I, I don't know what they're doing with Wade, but I, I just I I don't like the fit. I just no, like especially it. with like Whiteside there too, and that's a guy yeah. they're trying to move. So we'll see how it goes. God. Also worth mentioning for the Rockets is still negotiating with Clint Capella. He wants a hundred million dollars. They offered him sixty to start, so maybe it's somewhere in the middle there. And maybe knowing they're going to have to pay him more is why they didn't re-sign Ariza or Luke Baamute. So, again, this is Locked On NBA, Monday through Friday, five days a week, telling you guys what you need to know around the association, recapping Summer League, talking about the biggest stories, the trades, the free agent signings, the rumors. No one's coming to you on the next day, giving you immediate reaction to this. So make sure you listen and subscribe daily to the Locked On NBA podcast. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. 
All right, so let's let's bump you here, John, because I read something you wrote over, I think it was Boston.com, about two-way contracts and their impact on the league. And I think this is a really interesting thing because, for the most part, I don't think the league's quite figured out how to really use these deals and these players. But there has been some pretty good success stories with it, particularly now in this summer league. I think you're starting to see it. Yeah, um, I, I was just very kind of um, intrigued by... The, the way because it started with Jabari Bird for the Celtics and there are a bunch of other guys that were on two-way contracts they seem to be doing very well here in Las Vegas and so I got to asking around a little bit about it and it, the consensus really is the almost unanimous and in, in, to put it in my previous terms the consensus is for these guys that uh, it's it's an advantage. The players see it as an advantage because it got them an opportunity that didn't exist before. You got to remember, 15 spots for 30 teams. There are four 450 uh, open roster spots every year for for NBA players. This puts another 60 two per team into the mix. So 60 guys that didn't get an opportunity now have an opportunity to get up and down between the G League and the NBA. And it's a significant difference because in the G League, and this only change, this is actually a raise, you make $35,000 for five months. Yeah, on a two, that, that That's a raise. It used to be less. On a two-way deal, you can make, if teams maximize your appearances, you can make up to $204,000, which is, when you think about the millions that are up for grabs, it's not much, but... For two hundred four thousand dollars, a lot better than thirty five thousand. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can at least make a living and not be screwed, and and it gives you time in uh, a system, and they the these players uh, really appreciate it. Jabari Bird, uh, I talked to him. Uh, I talked to um, I talked to Devin Robinson of the Washington Wizards, who is having a fantastic summer. Uh, in one of the games I watched, he was just dunking all over the place. Uh, he is—he thinks that this gave him a, an advantage, uh, gave him the best of both worlds. I talked to uh, Bob Myers of Golden State, and he loves it. Obviously, they had Quinn Cook. They have one of the better success stories yeah. signing Quinn Cook to that two-way deal after the Pelicans had him on that and let him go, and they nabbed him. And then something you mentioned, you get 45 days in the NBA, and then after that, if you've used up those days, they have to sign you to a full-on contract if they want to keep you or have you up. So I think that's a good thing. It gives people just an opportunity then to kind of get on an NBA roster maybe right away, like a shortcut to it kind of. Yeah, look, there's when those guys, there are a lot more fringe NBA guys than there are star players. And I, I don't think people understand exactly what it is. Think of it as a pyramid. There are a few guys at the top, and look, not not every there's so few players there's so few star players i should say that not every nba team has one and obviously some have more than one some have five but there are few star players there are a bunch of mid-range players and then there's kind of like the rest and there aren't enough spots for all of those guys there are probably hundreds, maybe thousands of players with NBA talent that for some reason, opportunity, maybe they screwed up, maybe whatever, they, they just don't get the chance to get any number of those guys. And right now it's 60. Maybe later it's going to be more. Maybe they're going to expand the minor league system. I'm a big proponent of expanding the minor league system. 
to get more of those fringe NBA guys into a system where they get NBA exposure, practices with the team, in an NBA system, you're going to see more of those guys get the opportunities. And, and that what that does is makes a better NBA. It also makes the G League better, too. That, that product hasn't been the best at times. And now when you've got a guy on one of those teams, and I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but oh, you have a guy that goes down there that you know might get called up to the NBA. If you're in one of the smaller cities now, it's kind of fun to root for that guy and to cheer for him. And maybe it helps out the G League in that capacity, too. Absolutely. I mean, I think the G League is a a an untapped resource, really, because not even we're not even at thirty G League teams, nope. which is insane to me. Um, and and to your point, and I'm glad you brought it up. What we had, the G League, is kind of in between Europe and the NBA. Like it, it's a lot of guys who could be in the United States making money to play basketball are deciding to go to teams overseas. I was talking to a coach in Japan who's paying guys $100,000 or more to play basketball. Now, $100,000 is not a lot, but it's better than $35,000. Yep. You, you go to Japan and you play a little bit of basketball, and you sit there and you say, am I going to get better in the G League where there's a bunch of kind of not-so-great players? Or can I go to Japan and put up some numbers – and make more money, you know, three times as much money. And that's just Japan. Nobody talks about Japanese basketball, but that's that's what I'm talking about. There's there are leagues everywhere. We're not even talking about just Euro League. We're not just talking about the major European or overseas leagues. Every country has a league. And a lot of those leagues pay more money than the G League. And a lot of talent that could stay in the United States doesn't stay here. The two-way deals like Quinn Cook, like Jabari Bird, like those guys are are here and they're chasing their NBA dreams and they get to make a little bit more money. Enough where they can say, "Hey, look, 200 grand, I'll it's it's funny for a normal person to say 200 grand, I'll deal with it." But when well, you, you have put, it's all relative and like that is the case here and that's how it goes. You know, they're pro players, salaries are inflated. It's not necessarily analogous to us at our jobs. Yeah, no, you got to live. You got to live and you got to you got to go out there and be able to make your money. And look, you've got agents to pay. You've got other expenses like that's just how it is. So the two way deals are a, a hit. Everybody loves the two way deals. I was trying to ask a bunch of different ways to people. Is there a negative to it? And, and there might be some with everything. There's a way that some teams can kind of. I think you. I th so the Pelicans cycled through them a little bit more. Quinn Cook was one. Jalen Jones was one. Then they got other guys in, and they didn't really commit to any one of these guys, uh, depending on the needs of the active roster, injuries, other things like that. So I think that's a bit of a downside to it. Maybe there's some sort of compromise in there that if you sign this guy, he's there for the season, and that's that. Yeah, it, there could be, uh, or, or or at least maybe a little bit more of a guarantee. But for now, the two way deals are. Uh, a hit the guys who are on two-way deals a lot of them are having success in the summer league because they've had time in those systems the executives love the two-way deals because they've got an extra two slots to kind of evaluate guys my hope is that ultimately the g league becomes a full 30 team league each team has their own and you have an opportunity to expand the two-way contract to not just be I think a two-way deal for an individual player, but two slots 
where you can call them two-way slots, and those guys, whoever is called up can get that money. And this at least maybe puts another one or two guys on a G League team that can say, hey, if I get called up, I'm going to get paid more. It's, it's more of a minor league baseball system where AAA players get a AAA salary, but when you get called up to the big club, you get major league money for whatever days you're there. And if you can get two or three, maybe a third slot would work, and maybe instead of 15 roster spots, you do 14 and three, but whatever. I don't want to get too, too down the rabbit hole there. But anything that you can get two or three spots – where it's not even tied to a particular player that anybody can get called up or down and and make NBA money to to do that I think would help and and get better talent in the G League which makes that product better which makes more money for them which ultimately pays the entire league more money and it's better for teams because they've got an extra few spots to evaluate players. Yeah, and so I, I want to piggyback on that one point you made which is the call up thing. Look, if an NBA team has an open roster spot and they want you, it's a lot easier to get you to the team, practice for a day or so, than get into a game if you're in the United States as opposed to being overseas on a contract that maybe you can't break and get out of. Also, they're not scouting that nearly as much, though a lot of teams do, quite the same as when you're kind of on in someone's backyard. And I think that's a big thing, too. It maybe it comes down to motivation. Is it money or wanting to make it in the NBA? And at least it gives players an option where that option didn't exist before. You also said something, though, that I think we can absolutely call unanimous. And that's everyone wants 30 G League teams to be kind of minor league teams for these NBA clubs. So I think Finally, we get a, an actual unanimous yeah. thing here <laughs> Not almost uh, on the podcast. Not almost <laughs> unanimous, not the consensus, but definitely unanimous. So, yeah, these, these two-way contracts overall, I think, just only a good thing for the NBA. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I would love it. I think uh, I've been harping on this. I think creating a full minor league system that gets guys here, that pays them a decent living wage to play here and, and develop here would be great. Uh, and and hopefully that becomes a reality sooner rather than later. And hey, if you want more on this, go read my uh, piece on Boston.com. Shameless plug. No, that's not shameless. There's a reason I wanted to talk about it here today. It was really good. It was worth a segment. So, you know, these 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 uh, Vegas players, a lot of them are vying for that. So keep an eye. Summer League is a lot of fun for just guys trying to kind of live out their dream. So that's going to do it for this Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, like, subscribe, rate it five stars wherever you can. That really does matter and make a difference. And as always, on Wednesday, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, the editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. I am John Corrales, Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, co-host of LockedOnCeltics.com. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with you all next Wednesday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.